Josh Rubin here in New York, and I'm with my friend Sonata Adzem with Douglas Elliman in Miami. We are live. Sonata, thanks so much for joining us. So tell us a little bit about your uh, experience in Miami with the lockdown and the stay-at-home orders and what it's doing both to buyers and sellers. Sure. So as, as mentioned, Florida was under a statewide state or a stay-at-home order. Uh, we were uh, trying to follow it as best as possible. And of course, uh, people are starting to get um, eager to go back uh, to work. Um, it's affected real estate market tremendously, as you can imagine, uh, because people are at home and yes, they are on their phones and on their computers looking at properties virtually. However, they were just a little more hesitant to, to schedule a viewing uh, for obvious reasons. And we could have because in Florida, real estate is considered an essential business. And as long as guidelines are strictly followed in terms of protection, we were able to show. Um, we have had some showings, but the segment of the market that we've seen most increase in um, were rentals. Florida, for the most part, is a secondary home market to many Northeasterners and some Midwesterners. And um, they just wanted to, you know, get out of big cities uh, if they could. And, and they, um, they took any rentals they could, and particularly off-market properties that were for sale, where they asked us to reach out to the sellers and, and get those properties rented. Wow. So you're saying even the listings that you had for sale were attracting interest from people who uh, were curious to know whether or not the sellers would be uh, open to the idea of renting them. Absolutely. So basically it became like an off-market rental frenzy. Um, any for sale listings that we had, um, we were getting unsolicited offers for rentals and some of them had incredible numbers um, attached to them where the sellers could not refuse. Um, many of these rentals were six months, uh, some were actually a whole year. So it did um, dry up a lot of the rental inventory. Wow. Yeah, I was going to ask you about and, to, to value is on the rental side. And, you know, let's say a house that might have rented for 20. Are you, were you seeing offers come in for, you know, significantly over that? Uh, yes, actually, you know, if it was renting 20000 in season, which in Florida is anywhere from November to May, we're getting offers for thirty five, sometimes even double per month of, of what the owners would typically get. So that was really interesting to us. And what we've learned, um, of course, as real estate professionals, we have to adapt. So whatever it takes, um, we then refocus solely on rentals that we could do during the six weeks um, when, when you know, stay-at-home orders were prominent. And um, interestingly, I'm sure this is the case in New York for you as well, but in Florida, um, condominium buildings were completely shut down and um, a lot of the rentals uh, of condos had to be done sight unseen. So they had to rely on the videos and photography that we've done in the past uh, and, and just say, I'm going to take it. So, you know, they were taking whatever they could. It was easier with homes because we could still put our mask and gloves on and, you know, show the property and rent, rent it out, but not the same for... Um, <laughs> for condos. 
Wow, that's interesting. So you're seeing a lot of buildings put restrictions into place that impacted your ability to both market and show the homes. Correct. So the entire six weeks, the past six weeks, um, uh, condominium buildings across Palm Beach County, Broward and Miami-Dade, uh, there were a few exceptions granted, but um, they had very strict rules of no um, outside people allowed, meaning um, non-residents uh, were not allowed on the property. So it was really difficult because it limited us to um, being able to, to show primarily single family homes. And it looks like uh, later this week, the orders from the governor will come down where um, under very strict protocols, um, real estate agents and their guests are going to be allowed back in. Uh, interestingly, also, um, some of these clients coming in to see the condos are not happy about these restrictions. Like, you have to go through the loading entrance or through the receiving entrance, if you will, uh, with workers. Well, and yeah. Correct, correct. So, you know, if you're looking at a $6 million property, um, you're not getting the grand arrival, if you will. You have to go through the freight entrance. You have to wear your mask and your gloves and, and you know, you have to get in. So that has been really challenging because for them psychologically, it just um, changes the experience that, you know, we're accustomed to giving clients. But, you know, we told them we'll do whatever it takes and, and these are the rules. We need to obey the rules and, you know, this is how it's done. You know, it's interesting because up here in New York, they're forecasting May 15th to be the sort of stay-at-home order lift date. Uh, but of course, those that we're speaking to on the inside are thinking it's going to be more like mid-June before things really open up the way that we sort of knew them to be before, say, March 13th. Um, but with that, we're trying to prepare our listings to, to come on the market as close to May 15th as possible. This past weekend was the first weekend that we really saw beautiful weather. You saw pictures in all the newspapers and on the various websites of people uh, laying out in the park, getting sun, having picnics, even with masks and the six feet uh, you know, uh, social separation. Um, but we're really starting to see interest pick up over the last couple of weeks in listings in terms of online inquiries. And I think that we're going to see more and more of that with people saying, okay, let's go and take a look at this apartment. Not so much as far as open houses, but we're trying to get into these listings to take pictures, to do video tours, even in non-doorman buildings, small little walk-up buildings in the East Village. The buildings are saying, no, we're really taking this very seriously and check back with us. We're not saying, okay, you can schedule after May 15th, but check back with us on May 15th to see if you know we're comfortable enough to, to let photographers in, to let floor plan people in. Um, so there are a couple of listings that are sort of in this in-between stage where we have them signed up, but we don't yet have the photos and the collateral. Um, so it's a little frustrating. So down in Miami, where you see these residents that have to go through the, the, the freight entrance or the loading docks. And of course, I've heard that the amenities aren't open. Um, right. what, what, are you, what are you seeing as far as um, people interested in actually listing their homes? Are you seeing an uptick? Are you seeing it uh, sort of normal year over year? Or are you seeing people just sort of ratcheting down the hatchets and, 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 and uh, staying put? 
Mm-hmm. Um, I do see an uptick in both clients who are, who are considering listing their homes. And also uh, this past week, we had five showings on single family homes that are in excess of $10 million. So we feel very strongly as the confidence returns, you know, that people can start slowly uh, resuming with, you know, sort of their daily lives, um, that they can go out there and and see property. So we are actually starting to see the uptick on that. Um, Very importantly, we are um, seeing calls from potential listing clients. Uh, There are many listings that are expiring. Um, Unfortunately, you know, a lot of us did not um, have COVID exemptions in our listing agreement because no one could have predicted this. So, you know, with the listing listings expiring, I think what's extremely important to all real estate professionals out there is to ensure to get the extensions. And if you're out there and being aggressive, go after listings that are going to be expiring and you actually may have an opportunity to, to enrich your listing portfolio. That's interesting. So you're, you're suggesting that, uh, you know, people focus on expired listings uh, and these are listings that are coming off of agreement that are now going to be, uh, you know, sold, but it's a question of who represents them. And you're Mm -hmm. suggesting that, that we as real estate professionals target those listings in such a way that we're in front of those prospective sellers, letting them know, of the of the tools that that we are using in terms of marketing being a little bit more proactive i know that i personally just picked up three listings in the last week of people calling me uh who were formerly on the market with another broker who failed to sell it uh i wound up getting those listings simply by speaking to them on the phone um and so uh you know one of those is vacant and we're helping them stage it the other one is staging it uh independent of us um, and there's a, a third, which is going to be staged in the next couple of weeks. In fact, we have the staging consultant uh, doing a FaceTime walkthrough today with a member of our team on, on that listing. So you're right, Sonata, there are a lot of listings that are coming off of agreement and uh, they're coming off the market and they need more proactive professionals like us in order to you know, guide them through uh, what is to be, I think, a, a very active market once the stay-at-home order is lifted. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think we're going to have a really active market one, you know, once we go, you know, back to business as unusual, if you will. And um, we need to be really ready. Um, I personally, I took this entire time to prepare for what's going to come. Um, I believe in adapting and not reacting to fear. Yes, danger is present and real, but there is a difference between danger and fear. So I took the time to organize my contacts, to stay in touch with my clients. And I always urge my entire team to be in touch with clients and be aggressive and proactive, um, but not be tone deaf. Because there's there's a point where if you're too aggressive in in trying to get these new listings, uh, people get very turned off. You know, the clients are like, look, I'm worried about my health. Like, I I don't want to talk about um, listing my property. So I, I think it's of utmost importance for us to be very smart how we approach it and uh, use this time proactively. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a great point in terms of knowing what to say and how to say it and when to say the right things because otherwise you can come off as being too aggressive and that will have the opposite effect. Uh, we really want to come from a place of helpfulness and, uh, and warmth 
compassion uh, in this time of need, not from a time of being, you know, not from a, a place of opportunism um, and saying, hey, I see that you, you know, just came off the market. Well, I can sell your home. It's, it's more of a question of really understanding the people's needs and how to help them achieve their objective. Absolutely. And I, I'm, I'm really big on that. So dealing with your clients with authenticity and, and with integrity, and if they know that you want the best for them, uh, they do need trusted advisors at this time. This is a very volatile and scary time for everyone, right? It's impacted everyone in the world um, in different ways. And, and unfortunately, many people perished. Um, a lot of people were sick. So we need to be realistic in terms of what the situation is, but at the same time, be smart and proactive, not just sit and wait for it to go away and hope it's going to, you know, go back to normal. Sure. So, yeah. So that I'm, I'm, I'm curious because I always like to get to know, you know, people for who they truly are. So I know you've been with Douglas Elliman for some time. Can you tell us a little bit about how you found real estate as a career? Sure, that's actually a great story. Um, so I've been with Douglas Salomon for 10 years. Um, I brought the company to a small town named Boca Raton, Florida, and uh, was very honored to be um, sort of the founding agent for this entire area. Um, I love the company. I, I happen to have met uh, Howard Lorber when I worked for Donald Trump in New York, and um, I, was in, uh, I was focused on marketing before. Or actually, I was focused on new development and marketing. So only uh, 10 years ago that I started doing general real estate. Uh, being a woman, I have to admit that it, it felt much harder. Uh, but I knew that being with the right company is key and um, believing in, in what I'm able to contribute, which is a lot of hard work great book of business and, you know, doing business with integrity. Um, that's how I started, um, you know, doing business down here. But in terms of my background, I'm originally from Bosnia and Croatia. So um, I know a lot of, um, a lot of my friends and, and Douglas Elman colleagues have seen my Insta Instagram posts where, you know, I'm talking about or trying to shed some light into how to deal with fear and how to get through these really tough times. Because as someone who's uh, lived through a war and survived a war, I definitely have a different perspective in terms of what it takes to um, go through these really difficult trying situations and, and try to make, you know, make as, as good as you can out of them. Sure. You know, that makes a lot of sense given your background in uh, Croatia and, and then coming to the States. Um, I actually have a member of my team who's also Croatian and uh, you know, he definitely brings a unique perspective. That's a colleague of mine, Marko Druzetec, uh, who's a top performing value team member of mine. So um, you and Marko should get together sometime and, uh, and celebrate your life. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Sonata, when you were working uh, in New York uh, doing marketing and new development, uh, um, what were you doing before that? Um, I was in finance before that. So uh, my focus was um, international business in, in both um, undergrad and graduate school. So I came from finance background. I worked in New York for a venture capital firm and, and then uh, went over to work on several Trump international projects with folks on, on marketing. So I, I took 
a lot of that finance and marketing, you know, backgrounds and put it all together and came up with my own unique approach. Um, I honestly, I just have really high goals. I do a lot of self-development. Um, I have, because of also my unique background, I, I compete against myself, basically. I set very high standards for myself and, you know, try to do the best I can. Sure. I can imagine. Uh, do you have any uh, sort of daily routine that you do? Any, uh, you know, Tom, Tom Ferry is very into taking your meds. It's uh, meditation, uh, education, diet, no, medication, no, it's meditation, exercise, diet, and sleep. Uh, uh -huh. Do any of those rank uh, of any importance uh, for you? Uh, for me, uh, exercise is a must, whatever that looks like. And, and I do priming, which is really uh, similar to meditation. It's, it's a Tony Robbins uh, advent, which I love. It's, it's a gratitude exercise that I do every morning. Um, it, it really sets you up um, to, to handle everything that comes your way in a day, but uh, gets you into this um, very grounded state where you, when you go with gratitude, you know, I believe in this, there's no space for fear. When you come from a space of abundance, the way you really relate to your clients, the way you relate to colleagues and people in general, the way you relate to yourself is, is really profound. So I'm, I'm a big believer in, in you know, grounding yourself in gratitude first and then starting your day that way. And how is that different from, uh, say, daily affirmations? Uh, slightly different uh, because this is more about, you know, yogic breathing to set yourself up and then really about gratitude, um, understanding what you're grateful for, um, little things or big things, and then um, thinking what are the things you want to accomplish and, and they can be imagining yourself that you already have accomplished them. So it's, in my mind, really powerful because it takes you from that meditative state to a really focused, inspired state so that, you know, when I start with my work, um, I'm able to um, understand what I want to accomplish and focus on the things that are most important first. Um, my biggest, um, you know, difficulty and challenge uh, as a uh, real estate professional, particularly when I was starting out, was time management. You know, we were not attorneys who get paid by the hour. You know, we get called by so many clients who want our opinions and thoughts and they want our time. And I would just get dragged in a multitude of directions. So once I refocused and started seeing uh, what I do as a business, I'm running it as a business. Um, I have to consider many different aspects of, of a business. Uh, it really helped me uh, keep focused and, and understand how to take it to a whole different level. Sure. I love that, that you're actually envisioning it not only happening, but that it's already happened. So you're not, you're not just envisioning sort of the runway up to how to achieve the goal, but you actually start to live life as if you already have the goal in hand, it's yours, now what do you do with it? Correct, it's, it's really a brilliant kind of psych, psychological concept where when you have a flood of emotions of, of feeling like you already accomplished, you already know what it looks like, then when you, you know, set about 
doing it, it's like, come on, like this is easy. So uh, to me, it's all about managing my emotions. And uh, very importantly, during the past six weeks, it was extraordinarily important for me to manage what I let in into my little mind space right so i was cautious how much television i watch and all the fear-based um aspect of of managing uh the, the, the coronavirus so I, I really was very protective of my mind space and selective of what i let in and and the people's thoughts that i let in so i think it helped me tremendously to deal with this in a more empowering way yeah, you know, that's incredible, especially at a time like this where there's so much fear surrounding us. Every time we turn on the TV or open up a newspaper or an app, you know, there's another, you know, frightening headline. And it can really uh, make you want to go, you know, live under a rock and not come out until, you know, the, the sky is clear. When in reality, if we flip it and we look at it in terms of, uh, you know, the positive and how do we deliver a positive man a message and how do we manifest that, that positive emotion, you know, positivity attracts positivity. And so right. you're going to come out of this in a much better place than if you live this last, these last six or eight weeks in a place of negativity and fear. Correct. You can't make any good decisions in your life when you're grounded and based in fear, right? So you have to change your state and you have to approach it from a different perspective. So for me, it was really important to acknowledge the situation, the reality of the fact that many people are dying and this is very dangerous. And then separate what my reaction is, which is for, for all of us ends up being fear, right? So I want to manage my fear, which I could, again, because I lived through a war. So it's it's a very um, severe situation that, that was, uh, frankly, much worse than what we've experienced in the past six weeks. And so I, I sort of managed my fear and then decided to be very um, strategic in terms of how I want to view this. So for my team and I, it was really important to find a way to be of contribution. How do we... Um, go and be out there for our community and clients and friends, but stay safe, right? I didn't want to put anyone in, in, in danger. So one thing that we did, I have to share with you, actually, I have one here or a few. Um, I called my family and friends in Croatia and Bosnia, and uh, we commissioned them to make hundreds of children's masks. There you oh, go. Wow. Yeah, and they're like with cute little, you know, kids' designs and blue and you know, whatever. So we felt that's a cool way to contribute and, and gift these to our friends and clients and, and people we care about and make, you know, contribute in, in a humble way that, that we can. And those, and those are from back home? Yes, yeah, so these were, these were handmade in, in Croatia and Bosnia. Um, we found people who could do, and there's an, actually a non-for-profit there where it's run by, by um, parents of disabled children. So we um, sent them money and asked, um, gave them specifications. You know, we wanted, for instance, a very high-quality washable uh, children's masks of certain dimensions with, sure. you know, designs yeah. and they did them for us so I, I honestly i'm really humbled and i'm really proud of of this because now when 
when we give these to, to certain families, they're just so overwhelmed and really grateful. It's like giving them diamonds. It's, it's <laughs> and how did you find the, the families uh, that were in need of these masks? So for us, we have quite a few clients who have children. And, and what's fascinating to me is that, you know, there aren't masks for children or children don't want to wear masks. They bug them or, you know, they get itchy sure. and they don't want to wear them. But um, I think it's really important now that they're going to be out and about. They have to wear masks. And so um, we had a lot of people in the community we knew. And there is a, um, an organization called Florence Fuller which is for underprivileged children. So we wanted to contribute some to them as well. So that's what we did. That's awesome. Love that. And so Sonata, given that you've you know, done so much to, to help your team through this time and, and the community going forward, you know, where, where do you see the market as a whole, uh, you know, let's say in the next three to six months? I mean, do you, do you think it's, we think it's going to be active, but do you think that, you know, buyers are going to be coming in with these arbitrarily low numbers, or are they going to say, okay, it's, you know, it's time to uh, be active again. And the market was, you know, where it was when we left off in early March. So therefore we're just going to pick it up from where we left off. I think it's going to be a period of adjustment that's going to last anywhere from, you know, three months to six months. And I, I think as trusted advisors or clients, we really, as real estate professionals, we have to be really on top of things and advise our clients in, you know, in a mindful way. And, and um, we have to be prepared for the worst, meaning that many clients, uh, many buyers will be out there just, you know, um, looking for bargains and submitting very low offers. I, I do believe that's going to be the fact. Um, in fact, we have some clients who said that they're um, putting together opportunistic funds for distressed properties, be it commercial or residential. So we know that's going to be the case. Um, and, and I do believe there are going to be pe people who genuinely need a property or want a property, be it because they were you know, cooped up in their homes and really got an opportunity to realize what they what, what they want and what they may be missing right now. So uh, they'll want uh, a change, be it an upgrade or, or a lateral change. So we, there's, I, I think there is some pent-up demand. Uh, it's just that it has to crystallize in terms of psychological um, mindset of, of a lot of the people. You know, if the buyers want the quote-unquote corona discount or, you know, if they're going to be fair in their expectations of, of where the values are going to be. But I think that's the biggest question. I think people are out there. I do believe there's pent-up demand. I think there's going to be shift from... Um, some, um, let's say, urban, really dense urban areas to, to just slightly less dense areas um, because of, because of uh, consequences of, of COVID. So there's going to be movement. Um, and so we'll see. We, we just need to know how to manage it and how to manage our clients' expectations. Sure. I think that you, you, you uh, pin the nail right on the head when you said expectations because there's going to be expectations when things open up that people are going to be able to get these discounts and the sellers are going to have expectations that we're not for sellers. We'd like to sell. We have specific reasons why we'd like to sell. Those reasons were you know, in place before the lockdown went into effect. 
they're still there. If you'd like to buy it, this is the value. Uh, I'm happy to listen to reasonable offers, but it's the expectations that we need to help people understand going forward. Correct. It's all about expectations management right now. Um, being really knowledgeable about the market trends and, and what's going on out there and then truly in communication with, with the clients and managing their expectations in that, you know, the sellers, um, we've already informed our sellers, you know, they're showing out there, we're going to bring you a lot of people, but we're going to have a tough time managing where they come in. So don't get offended if you get an, a very low offer because an offer is better than no offer at the end of the day, right? Sure. Um, and we'll have an opportunity and a chance to, to decline that offer if you wish. And of course, most importantly, negotiate on an offer. So I, I do anticipate that we have to get you know, really smart and ahead of the game as it relates to communicating with our clients. Yeah. No, that's that's well said, Sonata. So I appreciate your time. And everybody, this has been uh, Sonata Adzem with uh, Douglas Elliman in Miami and Boca Raton. Uh, so I appreciate your time. And uh, Sonata, thanks again. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. And hope everyone stays safe and healthy.